global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew downplaying expectations for an emergency response to global market turbulence when group of 20 finance chiefs and central bankers meet this week in China. I don't think this is a moment in time when you're going to see individual countries make the kinds of specific commitments that have been made in some other contexts that have been marked by real crisis. This is not a moment of crisis. This is a moment where there, you know, you've got real economies doing better than markets think, you know, in some cases. Lou spoke earlier on Bloomberg Radio and Television. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, dropping as falling oil prices continue to prey on investors' global growth concerns. S&P E-mini futures down 17 points. Dow E-mini futures down 146. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 50. DAX in Germany's down 2.4%. Ten-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds. The yield 1.68%. NYMEX crude oil down 3.8% or $1.20 to 30.66 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.8% or $22 to 12.40. 460 an ounce. The euro, $1.0985. The yen, 111.77. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Curve flattening today. We're 100 beeps was a big story. One full percentage point between the 10-year and two-year yield. We flatten out further today. 96.6 basis points. A difference in yield. That, that's uh, of note to many people. Uh, Michael McKee, um, this is a good economist who writes with Peter Hooper over at Deutsche Bank, and he leads with the mother of all optimism charts. It, it's it's the foundation chart for why Torsten Slock or David Kelly or Mark Zandi take an optimistic tack. Torsten is with us, and uh, he makes the very good point that everybody is concerned about the impact of the financial market volatility we have seen because it may be causing problems in credit markets, which will then slow the economy. Torsten was smart enough to actually go look at credit markets, and you find the uh, the prescription has not happened. Absolutely. So if you look at overall credit growth, uh, the fascinating thing is that the Fed actually has weekly data, and the weekly data comes out every Friday at uh, 4.15 p.m., and I go and look at my Bloomberg screen and see what does the data show this week, and when you did that last Friday, you would see that there's just no evidence of credit tightening when it comes to bank lending. Bank lending is growing across all types of loans, auto loans, consumer loans more broadly, commercial industrial loans, mortgages, even commercial real estate loans. You're seeing just not much sign of a slowdown in the actual lending data. There's a lot of other indicators we worry about, but the actual data on a weekly basis, which we watch very carefully, is just not showing a credit crunch up to this point. Well, people are looking at, uh, say, uh, high-yield spreads, when did it become high yield instead of junk? High yield spreads and saying, uh, you know, the world's going to come to an end. Well, and that's true, and certainly we are fully aware of that. But what I think is really important is to look at page one in your finance textbook and ask the question, uh, how can companies uh, raise money if they need money? And one answer is they can go to high-yield markets. They can also go to IG markets. They can also go to the local bank. They can also go to venture capital. They can go to private equity. They can even go to other sources of financing uh, that now are becoming more popular, crowdfunding and other areas. So this basically asks the question then, well, which of these different sources of credit are actually not flowing? 
And it's pretty clear that uh, high yield is not doing particularly well at the moment. But remember that high yield debt outstanding only makes up around 2% of total debt in the U.S. economy, whereas the banking sector makes up a very substantial share of all credit that's flowing. So that's why I think we in financial markets, we're looking at high yield, and for that matter also at IG. But remember, IG markets are definitely open still, uh, and there's no reason to expect why they wouldn't continue to be so. So that's why it's important to say, well, what are actually the sources of financing that companies need, and are those sources of financing available? And the answer is, in my view, a resounding yes. Uh, markets are still functioning, in particular bank credit, which is by far the most important. I, I look, Torsten, at the, the raging battle, and, and nobody, I, I think there's very few people talking about true recession. Even Lachman Achathon at ECRI is talking about good growth. What does service sector inflation do? Is the vector up and more inflation, or is it, it is- flatter rolling over? It, it is indeed pointing up, and what's really important about that is that often we debate inflation from uh, the global perspective of saying, oh, China may be slowing, so this is going to create a disinflationary impulse for the whole world, including the U.S. But remember that when you look at the U.S. CPI basket, in other words, your and my consumption and all the listeners' consumption, two-thirds of that is services. And what services means is that that's housing, transportation, healthcare, recreation, education, etc. And those services parts of the CPI basket are generally doing what is very different from what the goods part of your CPI basket is doing. I mean, we're seeing an uptick in inflation, and most importantly, we're seeing wages go up in the service sector. So that's why uh, this notion that uh, China is having a negative impact on inflation, it's true that China and emerging markets have an impact on U.S. inflation through the one-third of the CPI basket that's goods. But for the remaining two-thirds, most importantly housing, which is 30 to 40 percent, you are, it's difficult to imagine any strong impact of China on that part of the inflation basket. So the, the bottom line is I still think uh, the service sector continues to do well in the U.S., uh, and that's why uh, the Fed is obviously very alert to these uptrends we have seen in inflation more generally that are driven very importantly by services. Uh, services tend to pay less, so does, what does it take to offset the decline on the manufacturing uh, production side? Yeah, so this is a really important issue, Mike. It's, the, the way I think about that is that for the last uh, one, one and a half years, the U.S. economy has been hit by two shocks, namely oil prices down and the dollar up, and those two shocks hit goods and energy much harder than it hits services. If anything, it actually lower oil prices helps services. So that's why the big question that we should be asking ourselves is, how long time will it take more before we have gone through uh, the problems in the energy sector and in manufacturing? In other words, how long is the breaking distance that is left for the energy sector? How long is the breaking distance that's left for the manufacturing sector before we get out on the other side and therefore the drag on inflation and on the broader economy from energy and manufacturing mm-hmm. is going to subside? And I would argue that we are getting closer to that. At least right. we've been through that now for the last 18, um, 19 months. Torsten Slack with us with Deutsche Bank with an important research note. Where is the credit crunch? We'll continue uh, with Dr. Slack here. Uh, in a moment on the American uh, economy. Uh, also, we need to get the markets open. It's a rumor. Futures negative 17, Dow futures negative 149 right now in the futures. Next, the American economy. We are counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the refined Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. It continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Jeep, the official vehicle, Killington Resort. 